deep work. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read Jeremiah chapter 17 again. And then we're going to move to John chapter 12. I believe God wants to do something uh, in our midst this morning. And I sense that preparing this sermon. And so um, praying you'd open your heart and mind to it. We're talking about deep work. You're fasting. We're praying. And God wants to do something significant in your life. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 17, starting in verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that send, sends out its sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. John chapter 12, we'll read verse 24 through 26. This is Jesus talking. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life, whoever loves his life, loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Lord, you gathered us together this morning on purpose, intent, doing something in our lives. We pray that our ears would be open to what you're saying, that our hearts would be open to receive it, that our minds would change this morning, that, that we'd be closer to you because we are together. Change us so that we could bear fruit. It's in your mighty name we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. We talked about Jeremiah last week. It's, a, it's the verse that we're using through this series about, about if we trust in God, then we're like a tree planted by the water and, and we're sustained and kept. And we talked about last week how when the expected comes, when the heat comes, we're going to be fine. The leaves won't turn brown. They'll stay green. And when the unexpected comes, when the year of drought comes, we won't be anxious and, we'll, and we won't cease to bear fruit. So I was thinking about being planted and, uh, and how important that is. And, and so I, I flipped to John chapter 12, and this is Jesus talking to a few disciples. This is uh, during the Passion Week. It's fitting that we're reading from this verse leading up to Easter, but uh, this was Jesus' last entry into Jerusalem. He, he, there's already a plot to crucify him and kill him. Lazarus is with him. And if you remember, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. The Bible says that Lazarus had been dead four days to the point where Lazarus's friends told Jesus, hey, his body stinks. There's no, don't, don't, don't worry about this now. Jesus in front of a whole bunch of people says, Lazarus comes forth. Lazarus stands up with the stinky cloths on him and walks out of the tomb. And Jesus says, you guys clean him up. Just a side note, you do realize that Jesus can resurrect people, but it's the church's job to clean them up. He said, you go make disciples. I'll save them. You disciple them. There's a, there's a whole sermon in cleaning people. So what happens is 
the crowds are also enamored by a dead man who is now alive. Wouldn't you be? Now, the chief priests find out that Lazarus is with him and they scheme to crucify Lazarus along with Jesus. That's what John tells us before we get to this. So there's a little bit of tension, you could say, in Jerusalem. Jesus enters into the city with some fanfare. There are people waving palm branches and, and he rides in on a, on a colt, on a small donkey. And, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he, he rides in and, and there's some Hosanna and they're, and they're, you know, some of you know the story and they're, and they're flapping the, they're making a big deal about it. And it's to the point where some of the Pharisees look around, they go, look, everybody's already turned. Now you got to remember, these are people who are trying to keep their positions. They're people trying to keep tradition. They're people trying, they don't want a Messiah to come in here like this. Doesn't fit their model. It doesn't, doesn't fit their, their, their future, their plans, their goals. It doesn't fit what they want. And so now they're nervous. The Pharisees are looking at each other going, Hey, they've already turned. The majority of the crowd is already, is already on his side. What makes it a, a little more complicated is there's a group of Gentile Greeks that come to one of his disciples named Philip and they say, Hey, we want to, we want to have, we want to meet Jesus face to face. Philip evidently doesn't think he's got the pull just to go straight to Jesus. So Philip goes to Andrew, Peter's brother. And Philip goes to Andrew and says, Hey, I got a bunch of Gentiles that want to have a meeting with Jesus. To which Andrew, I guess, replies, So they decide both of them are going to go to Jesus and ask him and tell him about these Gentiles that want, that want a meeting with him. So John records in chapter 12 that Philip and Andrew approach Jesus and say, Hey, there's these people that want to come meet you. And I know it's complicated and you have, you have to know what was on Jesus' mind at this time. By the way, he's also walking into the temple flipping over tables. I mean, it's just a little bit of chaos happening. Hosanna in the highest in the temple flipping over tables. He was running off the money changers and the people buying and selling. And he, this house would be a house of prayer. That's what God set it up for. And I'm coming in for the last time warning you. He's angry. The man had turned what God created into something else. And so you can imagine the tension in the city. The temple was the hub. You can imagine, you can imagine the people being like, dude, he just came in and fl- straight flipped out on everyone. And then he started healing people. He's flipping over tables and then healing people. We've never met anybody like this. Could you imagine if I came in on a Sunday morning? Just started flipping chairs and healing people. You wouldn't know whether to stay or run. I don't think they did either. But it was too intriguing to leave. So there's all this kind of chaos happening during the Passion Week. Philip and Andrew come to Jesus and say, we got these people want to meet with you. To which you think Jesus would have responded... All right, what's the schedule look like? Do we have time Tuesday? Like time between two and three? Jesus responded like Jesus typically responds. Truly, truly, I say to you, first of all, he says, my time has come. To which I'm sure they were like, is that a yes? Are we setting it up? Are we not setting? No, my time has come. 
And then verse 24, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him. And I'm sure they were like, got it. What about these Greeks? The crazy part, John never records whether he meets with them or not. It just goes away. It just disappears. Like you don't know if he has the meeting, if he doesn't have the meeting. You don't know if they're standing outside waiting on you. Have He just drops the whole thing. But he says something in that moment so significant to the two disciples. If a grain falls to the ground and dies... It'll bear much fruit. Actually, unless it falls to the ground and dies. Oh, wait a second. He qualifies it by saying there's no other way to bear fruit. It would be okay if you said, yeah, if a grain falls to the ground, it'll die and bear fruit. As if maybe that's one of many ways. But he says, he says, wait a second, this might be. The unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He says, this is the way the whole thing happens. So follow with me. We're going to bounce between grain and trees, if you don't mind, just a little bit. Can we all agree that, it, that the grain comes from a seed and trees come from a seed? Can we all agree on that? Okay, just, just making sure we got the basics down for the whole point of my sermon. <laughs> Here's what I found out. Seeds don't decide where they're planted. The word planted, the word plant or planted is not a word trees use. Trees don't talk to each other and go, hey man, you know what? I think the next time around I want to be planted near a nice creek with a little view. Maybe some mountains. I'm sick of this city living thing. Dogs peeing on me and stuff. I'm just, I'd like to be out in the open. Trees don't have those conversations. People have those conversations. Where are you going to plant these things? You, you move into a new house and you, and you decide maybe with the builder or, or, or maybe you move into a house and somebody else had planted stuff and you don't like it. So you have a conversation about where you are going to plant things. Seeds never talk about where they're going to be planted. Seeds never have that conversation. They're just planted. And they're planted by people. So back to Jeremiah says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water. Jeremiah is saying there's purpose for where you're planted. So seeds don't talk about where they're planted. The planter, the gardener talks about where they will be planted. So Jeremiah says, hey, listen, if you trust in God, he on purpose will plant you. It's like he's got a, a whole design. He's like, a, he's like a, uh, an architect uh, of planting. A landscape architect. That's what you call him. A landscape architect. And he, and he decides this one here, this tree here, this tree here, this tree over here, this tree, on this tree right, right by the water. On purpose. It doesn't say he, it doesn't say by chance the tree was planted. It doesn't say by chance uh, a bird 
took a seed and ate it and then flew over in his migration and then happened to get that stomach thing and right in there, right? And it just happened to be that way. It says your heavenly father who loves you unconditionally and died and sent his son to die on the cross for you. It says, scripture says, on purpose he plants. On purpose he plants by the water. You will be like a tree planted by the water on purpose. The seed was stuck there with meaning and with purpose and with the future And with a desire to see fruit bear from it. Look at your neighbor and say, God did this on purpose. Look back at him and say, exactly what are you talking about? (laughs) The seed never chooses the soil it's planted in. Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. You know what's so funny? Seeds never go. And I just, one day, one day I'd like to be a little bit taller oak tree. One day I'd like to, seeds never say that. Seeds, seeds always obey the one planting them. You're going to grow here. I've never put a seed in the ground to have it go. I'm not sure I agree with this. You just dig up a little bit and you put it in the ground, you cover it up, you put some water on it, you walk away. And I put it there because I want it there on purpose. There were no trees in my front yard when we moved into our house. We planted them where we planted them because we did it on purpose. We didn't wait for the birds. God's not waiting for the birds in your life either. What seems random to you is absolutely on purpose to him. He's the one that pushes the seed down in the ground exactly where he wants it to be. The Bible says that, the, that the, the, many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's will that prevails. Job wrote that no plan of his can be thwarted. Like when he sets it in motion, you can't argue. When he sets it in motion, there's no seed that goes, I don't like what you're doing here. You better change it or I'm going to quit. No, on purpose, he puts them in the ground and his will is done. When we trust God, it says he plants us on purpose by the water. And here's why I believe he does that, because he already knows the fruit that you can produce. Because here's the thing, you already know if you're planting it, you already know what it looks like when it comes up. (laughs) Nobody puts a seed in the ground and goes, oh my, that was corn. I had no idea. I'm not planting corn in your front yard. Your neighbor's out there. What are you planting? Some trees, man. Where do we need to put some trees up? And like three weeks later, corn starts coming up. Your neighbor's like, really? He's like, well, I mean, I thought it was a tree. It looks like a corn seed. God plants you on purpose because he knows what you will become. Even before you do. He knows what you will become. Even before you do. Okay, seeds don't decide where they're planted and seeds have to die so trees can grow. I'm going to stay here for a little while if you don't mind. 
Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, let me, let me introduce you to a little word that we hate in American culture, and it's called surrender. We always associate surrender with a militaristic viewpoint of waving a white flag and, and, and we're cowards and we're just going to quit at the end and, and we're just, we're going to fight for a while then we're going to wave the white flag and surrender. It does not have any type of that context in scripture. When God is calling us to surrender, he is doing anything but telling you to give up. Now listen. All he's saying is not your will, but his. He taught us how to pray like that. When the disciples said, how should we pray? He said, pray like this. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. What? You stopped. God's will is always done in heaven. The trick is on as it is in heaven. That means if we are praying... Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. What we are saying is we will surrender our will to his will. I know it's an hour early. Just let it sink in a little bit. Miriam Webster says surrender means the action of yielding one's person or giving up the possession of something, especially into the power of another. We are surrendering our wills to his will. That's because Jeremiah said, trust him. Trust him with what? Trust him with everything. Trust him with your future. I've got plans for my future. No, throw those plans out and trust him. I've got plans for my marriage. No, you better throw those out and trust him. Man, if you're smart, throw them out. Trust him. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the Lord's will that prevails. We have to learn when trust is mentioned in the Bible, trust doesn't mean I'll let him try it. Trust means I am doing what he wants. When you look at your four-year-old and you say, do not touch the stove, trust me on this. You're asking them to bend their will to your will. Amen. When you say, trust me, you're not saying, oh, come on. No, you're saying, trust me. You have to bend the will of your mind that wants to touch the hot stove because it's pretty red. And you have to trust me, bend your will to my will because at the end you will benefit for it. Jeremiah is saying, trust me. Trust me, which means surrender to God. Trust him. If you surrender to him, he can then plant you. So Jesus comes along later, tells Philip and Andrew, unless that seed falls to the ground and dies. You know what I started thinking about? We would all be extremely disappointed if we put a seed in the ground and all we got was a seed back up. It wouldn't be worth planting. One for one is not worth it. Some of you are like, you haven't seen my garden yet. <laughs> Jesus said, if a seed falls to the ground and dies, if a seed falls and surrenders what it is, it then becomes something else. You don't plant a seed to get a seed. You plant a seed to get a plant. You don't plant a seed just to get another seed up. You plant a seed to get a tree. 
how disappointing would it be if you did all the work to prepare the soil and water the soil and put nutrients in the soil to push a seed down in the soil and then the seed pop back up. There would be no clapping. There would be no excitement. Hey, how'd your garden turn out? I got four seeds. I put four seeds in. No, the kingdom always works up on multiplication and raising up something different than what you put in. So what happens is we, we are put in corruptible, the Bible says, because of what Jesus did, we come out incorruptible. Those are fancy terms in the Bible. But what happens is you put sin in. That's all you have to offer. That's all you have to offer. That's what we put in. But what comes out after we die to that sin is something glorious and permanent. And he says, if you will die to yourself, I will make you forever. Unless the seed dies. Unless the seed dies. What you are right now is not what God is intending you to be like forever. He wants to plant you so what we are right now isn't even remotely close to what we look like when we blossom. And the problem is, is that because of our limited mind and our limited capacity to understand, we always struggle with the idea that I kind of like myself the way it is. I kind of like the chaos. I kind of like the argument. I kind of like what's going on. I kind of like it all. I kind of just like it. And he says, if you will give up, if you will surrender to me, I can plant you. You can die to all that stuff. And then what I'm getting ready to raise up, you've never even imagined. That's why it says he is capable to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or imagine. What he's planting in you is not what he's expecting to come up. He's expecting something totally different. He's not okay with your old self. He's not okay with what yesterday had. He's not okay with what today is. He wants to plant something He wants to put a seed in the ground and get a tree. He wants to put a corn seed in the ground, but a corn stalk pop up. Jesus was planted and all salvation came out of it. Not one more Jesus. When he put Jesus in the ground, what happened? Well, another Jesus popped up. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Salvation for all the world came out. Come on. The key is we got to have a funeral. We got to have a burial process. We've got to, verse 25, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He said, these are hyperbolic statements. Whoever loves this life is going to lose it. Whoever hates this life is going to keep it. That's hyper, hyperbolic to get you to understand that it's, that it's not what is available in this life that Jesus is concerned about. It's what he's, what he's willing to sustain you with to get you to the next life. Amen? His goal is not to bury you in this life and then to raise up the same problems. His goal is to bury you in this life and raise you incorruptible. Is He's planning on giving you eternal life. Amen? Where there's no more tears, no more backaches, no more fill in the blank. But he says, listen, you can't hold on to this one and expect something else. 
You can't hold on to the seed and just expect the tree. You don't get to hold on to the seed. You know what I found out about seeds? They go bad sooner or later. You buy seeds this year and you don't plant them. They may not even come up next year if you try to plant them. There's a shelf life on it. And I'm telling you, there's a shelf life. God is trying to get our attention and say, listen, bury your old self so that I can raise something up that will last. He's saying, surrender all that junk. Surrender the seeds that you're holding on to. You're like, God, but I like it the way I do this. I like it the way I, I like this. I like this. I like this. I like this. And he's saying, if you can't hate all that stuff, I can't kill it. He's saying, man, it's got to die. You got to put it in the ground. That thing's got to die. But when it dies, come on, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. When it dies, when it dies, it's not gone forever. But what he puts in the ground, he raises up something totally new. So you put that seed that you didn't think was worth anything. You put that seed that's caused you problems. You put that seed in the ground that's been giving you headaches and you just won't let go. But you push it down in the ground. And he says, let me raise it up. And what comes up out of the ground is something we never expect. It's amazing to watch, watch kids for the first time understand the process when they're like four years old. You say, hey, if you take this little seed and they're like, they're like eating them and they stick it in the ground. And then you keep taking them back to it and taking them back to it and taking them back to it. And then all of a sudden they see the thing pop up for the first time and they realize in their tiny little nuggets, I didn't put that in there. What I put in doesn't look like what's coming out. And the Bible says, unless you act like little kids, and the problem is, we as adults like to hold on to the seed and we don't like to plant it because we don't trust them enough to trust what comes out after we put it in the ground. Remember that thing, trust, way back at the beginning with Jeremiah, trust in the Lord and he will plant you by the stream. And when he plants you by the stream, what, he, what comes up will be different than what he put in. We have to die. To ourselves, Luke chapter nine, verse 23. And he said to, to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take, his, take up his cross. Is that up there? Okay, there's a problem with this verse. Can we just look at the verse for a second? Can you identify the problem with this verse? And he, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. I don't know about you, but I wish he'd have left that one little word there off. The one that starts with D in between cross and and. You know, because I, I'm, I'm a guy that I like to do things, just do it once. Okay, we killed it. It's done. Killed it 25 years ago. It's done. Then Jesus comes around and says, wait a second. You have to take up your cross Whew. daily. I thought I killed anger 20 years ago. I thought I killed that addiction 10 years ago. I thought I killed that thing. I thought I killed it. I thought I put it in the ground. I killed it. I thought I killed it. I thought I killed it. I thought I killed it. Anybody ever killed something and then had it pop up later? Like a cat? (laughs) 
some of the stuff you guys got, got nine lives. Some of the problems we have have 10 lives, 20 lives. Some of the problems we have have 30 lives. Some of our wills have 100 lives. And Jesus knew that about ourselves. Then we may be able to surrender it one day, but go right back to the seed the next day and hold on to it. So he said, every day that you're alive, take it and kill it. The image of taking up your cross is the image of surrendering your will to God. It's the image of trusting him. So that he can plant you. And day after day after day, you have to wake up and say, I'm not going to be angry again today because I'm surrendering that to God. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to take hold every thought that enters into my mind today because I know I have the potential. So what do I do? I wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to crucify this flesh. Paul says, I'm going to crucify this flesh and die. And it's not, then it's not me who lives It's Christ that lives within me. Amen. I'm going to be crucified with Christ and yet I live, but not me. It's Christ who lives within me. So he's saying on a daily day after day after day after day, it's the act of surrender that makes you who you are. It's the act of surrender that makes sure the tree grows. It's the act of surrender. You know what else I've never found? I've never found a seed that climbed up out of the hole. But I've seen a lot of adults do that. (laughs) You got to bury the seed. When you you plant a corn seed, you dig a little hole. You don't just chuck them out along. I mean, you can do that. But it's not as effective. You got to... Dig a little hole, maybe, maybe, maybe take your hoe and break a little thing, get, get some, get a, get a nice little V going. And then you, and then you drop some seeds in there, push them down just, just a little. And that, and that how you do it is just take your finger, just push them just a little, just push them in the dirt. And then you sweep the dirt over. You have to bury a seed, don't you? I've never come back the next day in a corn seed, climb back up out of that hole. Say, not today, bro. Not today. You thought you had me. You thought you had me. You thought you were going to go whole corn stalk out of me. Not today. I'm not surrendering. I'm not, I'm not staying down. It's dark down there. I'm not staying down there. Not today. No, they stay where you plant them. They stay where you plant them. So, so when you plant a corn seed in the garden, you don't have to worry about it popping up near your pool. Kid said, Dad, why's the corn over here? It's like, I don't know. I planted it over in the garden, got up in the middle of the night, walked over there. You know, you know how corn is, it wants to be near the water. How many times have we climbed out of the hole God planned us in? We just get up. He pushed a little pressure on us. And we get up. And we go, not today. I'm not surrendering that today. Forget it. I'm going to climb right up out of this hole. There's been seasons in my life where I've got dirt under my fingernails clawing out of a hole God put me in. And we think, God, why do you have me down this hole? It feels like you're burying me right now. 
I've told many of you, there's, season, there's been a season in Beth and I's life where I, we stood in our bedroom and I, and I held her and we prayed and I looked up to heaven and I said, you're trying to hurt me on purpose. It was like he had his finger on me, pushing me down a little bit. Just, you know, like you do with a piece of corn, just to make sure it's in there. It was like a four-year period where it just felt like, man, he's putting pressure on me to push me down. And I started realizing in order for a seed to die in the right place, you got to bury it. You have to. You understand that you have to bury it. But I don't know about you. My will does not like to get buried. It doesn't like to die. It likes to fight. It likes to fight. And so in seasons of my life where God dug the hole and pushed down on purpose, I threw my shoulders back. I said, oh, I didn't know you wanted to fight today. You know what he had to teach me? I'm putting your own purpose, Chris. Stop knocking the dirt off. I'm putting your own purpose. Stop trying to climb out of the hole. I'm putting your, I put your own purpose. Remember, you said you trust me. And when you trusted me, I put you there on purpose. And I dug the hole on purpose. And I put the pressure on you on purpose. And I'm, I'm wanting you to surrender on purpose. Because if you would die to yourself, what will come up out of that hole will be something that you can never imagine. That you would never have thought of on your own. That you would never have contemplated the, the, the marriage that you wish you had. If you would just stay in the hole and die to yourself... It would be better than you ever could imagine. The, the situation, if you just stay in the hole, the situation at work, the situation at home, the situation with the, with the family, if you just stay in the hole and die to yourself, I'm telling you, I planted you in the right place. Don't climb up out of that hole and run off. Stay where I put you. Stay where I put you. Jesus prayed till sweat like drops of blood. Not my will, but yours be done. He's right after what we're talking about. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. And he's saying, I want to come out of this hole. The father pushed him in the hole. He dug the hole, dropped the seed in, and then pushed it a little bit. And Jesus said, I'm not sure I can do this. He said, not my will, but yours be done. I'm staying. You put me here on purpose. I'm staying. Paul prayed to be healed three times. And when God refused, he stayed where he planted him. He said, I don't know what's going to come of this, but it's going to be for the glory of God. And I'm, I'm going to be fine with it. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to climb up out of this hole. I'm going to stay where I was planted. Paul later said he wanted to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of him. He said, I want his will for my life, not my own. So I want to ask you this. Where does it feel like God is trying to bury you right now? Where in your life does it feel like God's putting pressure, trying to bury you? And you wake up in the morning and you're like, God, again? Are you doing this again? Like, are we back to this thing again? He's saying, yes, yes, I know it doesn't seem like there's water. I know it seems like you're suffocating. But trust me, I've given you everything you need. Because let me tell you something. Stand to your feet. We're going to sing a song again. I want to let you know something. A tree, when it's planted, never looks out and goes, oh, look, there's a creek. How lovely is that? It's got to push the roots down to find the water. 
It's got to push the roots down to even know the water's there. A tree can't see a creek. The only way it knows it's being sustained is when it pushes the roots down, there's nutrients there. And God is telling you this morning, if you'll surrender to me, I'll make sure there's enough for everything that you need to accomplish. If you surrender to me, I'll make sure you have enough perseverance. I'll make sure you have enough money. I'll make sure you have enough friends. I'll make sure you have enough for everything that you need to accomplish. And trust me when I say this, he wants to do more through you than you ever imagined. So he said he will plant you by the water and when the roots go down, there'll be enough to sustain you. His word to you this morning is stay buried. Don't let the will come back up. Don't let your will pop back up. Keep it, keep it dead. Keep it buried. Keep it buried. And so here's what I want to do. We're going to sing this song. I want you to, I want you to just... In your mind, think about that thing. He's putting that pressure on you. Where did he plant you? Is it difficult right now where you are? Is he putting the pressure on you? Let's just surrender to him this morning, whatever that is, whatever area of your life. Maybe it's your whole life. Maybe you've never surrendered to him. Maybe you have to take a moment right now and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Maybe, maybe it's a specific area in your life that you just say, God, you're putting pressure on me right here and I'm tired of fighting you. And I believe and trust you that you've got enough for me to see me through this season. Can we do that this morning? Come on, they're going to sing this out. And we're going to trust.